Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. You're listening to another episode of Beyond the Rut, a weekly podcast about inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and we're actually without Brandon Cunningham this time around. Uh, He's not feeling well. Uh, He told me something about his neighbor bit him, and now he's got a fever and, I I don't know, uh, maybe a cough. I, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but Brandon is out. And I actually replaced him with somebody awesome, uh, Jody Mayberry. I've listened to this guy on shows like Star of the Doubts and Creating Disney Magic with Lee Cockrell. So Jody Mayberry is a new media consultant who's contracted to host podcasts with New York Times bestselling authors and C-suite executives. You can hear him on shows like Creating Disney Magic, which I just mentioned, Agents in Action, The Park Leader Show, and the newest one to his lineup, The Jody Mayberry Show. And he also has several soon-to-be-released podcasts. He lives in the Pacific Northwest and spends as much time as possible lost in the woods. Sounds like when I was doing land navigation in the Army. Jody, how are you doing these days? <laughs> I'm doing great, Jerry. I'm, so now I'm wondering here in that introduction, am I a guest or have I been elevated to co-host of this episode? <laughs> well, let's see if the zombie virus thing kills Brandon and we'll talk after that. <laughs> uh, We'll say guest for now, uh, you know, officially, and then yeah, if if he comes back from the dead, then we'll we'll, we'll definitely talk about some permanent arrangement here. <laughs> All right, <laughs> awesome. Uh, I definitely thank you for taking the time to join joining me on the show, and I, I almost said us, but I forgot. Brandon's fighting off uh, the zombie virus, so so uh, <laughs> uh, this is what I get when I start breaking from my planned script, right? Uh, I, I so, think I threw you off, didn't I? Oh man, a little bit. Yeah, I'm like. I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, what would it be like to host a show with Jody Mayberry? Brandon, Brandon who? <laughs> and the funny thing is, this is Brandon's show, so I, I can't kick him off his own show, right? Uh, well, I've been trying to kick Jared easily off Starve the Doubts. It's never worked. I hear there's an email campaign, right, that that is trying to get that to happen. Or, uh, yeah. Or, uh, what, what's that, uh, the petition website, petition.org? I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can start one, Jerry. I was was just going to say, Jared, if you see one of those pop up officially, I did not do it. Uh, That's my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Uh, The things we'll do for Nutella, right? That's right. (laughs) Uh, Now I I didn't uh, mention that you got a new podcast on the lineup, the Jody Mayberry show. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Now, I am really excited about that show because I've been doing the Park Leader Show for a couple of years. That's geared towards people in park. And I host other shows, but the Jody Mayberry Show is the first show with my name on it. I'm pretty excited about that. And it's geared towards helping people market, mobilize, and master their message. So small entrepreneurs like myself or small businesses, it's geared towards that. And it's a mix of Having guests on the show, like uh, Mike Kim and Lee Cockrell have been on the show so far. And I've got great guests coming up like Carrie Oberbrunner and Jeff Brown. But it's also in there are solo shows, just me giving lessons, telling stories. I haven't mentioned Natilla yet, but that's (laughs) that's what the show is. So I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome. I just caught the uh, the episode where you gave six tips on uh, how to treat your customers like a park ranger. And I, I, oh, yes. I really liked that one. I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again and take notes and, uh, and thank you. apply it in the work I do. 
Yeah, um, well, the, having spent so many years as a park ranger, it's really easy to tie in those stories because people love park rangers. So you tell a good park ranger story and people listen. So then if you can get some lessons in there with it, then everybody wins. Oh, exactly. Uh, a good friend of mine, actually, I didn't get to tell you this before we started recording. Uh, Carl Danforth is a park ranger with the U.S. Forestry Service, I believe. Uh, I hope I got the department name right. Anyway, he's he's based outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and we got to see them. Uh, my wife and the kids and I, we, we visited my mom in Asheville. And so we spent a day with Carl and his family, Angela and the kids. And, of course, I, I had to ask, hey, do you ever come across Jody Mayberry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, I laughed when I said that because, you know, when people find it out that I was in the army, they'll ask me, hey, did you ever know Colonel so-and-so from 1972? And I'm like, I was born in 1976. The guy was in and out before I was born. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I you get that sort of question a lot. One of the best I've heard is I was at the Grand Canyon watching a ranger presentation right on the south rim. And when it was over, the ranger said, does anybody have any questions? And a gentleman raised his hand and said, "Yeah, my my cousin Billy, he was down here last week. Did you did you happen to meet him?" <laughs> yeah, he was the only guy who came by that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The ranger handled it very well, though. Oh, awesome! Yeah, because he, he can't he can't like reply back with sarcasm or anything like that, right? No, you shouldn't because you're you've got the uniform on, so <laughs> you can't do that. That's true. Now, we also like to ask our guests a little icebreaker question. Uh, we know that you, you were a park ranger. We know that you're, you're a podcaster and a business coach. Uh, but what is something about you that people would not know just by looking at you? Jerry, I don't think this has ever come up on, on a podcast. And if it has, I don't remember it. But I used to be an instructor for the International Police Mountain Bike Association. Really? Yeah. So uh, when... Law enforcement officers ride bike patrol. They're usually trained to do that. And I was one of the people that trained. Oh, wow. Other, yeah, other law enforcement officers to do that. Huh. That is cool. Uh, I would never even think that was, that was a thing. Like, <laughs> uh, I thought they would, that's just what they told the police officers who couldn't drive. Like, okay, you can't drive a car. Here's your bike. Yeah. Get out there. But, <laughs> no bike patrol is tremendous. It's so much fun. And if you arrest somebody while you're on bike patrol, you can't just put them on your handlebars and put them in the jail. <laughs> so somebody else has to come and get them. So uh, bike patrol is wonderful in a lot of ways. You can't put like those 1980s BMX pegs on the back wheels. and It could be interesting to try, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that it probably wouldn't fly. <laughs> well, thank you for indulging me on that one. That, I learned something there, too. That That's good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, so... Uh, again, the show is called Beyond the Rut, so I probably need to kind of steer us back into that direction. And I'm the worst person when it comes to squirrel moments. Just just ask anybody who's ever heard me speak in public. It's like, yeah, he was awesome, funny, and like a third of what he talked about wasn't even on topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Beyond the Rut, uh, and this is also for those who are listening to us for the first time. It's it's a weekly show about inspiring folks, primarily in like their mid 30s, mid 40s. They they've got a family, they've got a good career, but they feel like something's missing, like they're in some kind of rut, and there there's something more they're supposed to do with life. And one of the questions we love to ask our our guests after they tell us really cool stuff like you just did is, uh, when was a moment when you you just hit this this uh, this point in a rut in your life where you said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and you actually made a conscious decision to move out of that rut. Uh, when was a time like that in your life? I used to be a financial analyst for a commercial bank. 
Which is about as exciting as it sounds. I measured interest rate risk. That that was my job. And it was a good job, and I really like the people that I worked with. Uh, it's not like I went to my job hating it every day, but one day I did realize I was just in a rut. And even if I did my job to the best of my ability, at best, the impact it had was maybe shareholders did a little better. And that was prompted by my my granny had passed away and and I came back from from that and that's when I just realized oh my goodness this this job doesn't matter to mm-hmm. me uh, and I was in a rut before that but that's kind of what showed me oh gosh yeah I'm in a rut I just don't need to do this anymore I could have kept on doing it like I said it was a good job with good people but I made the decision that I'm going to follow a boyhood dream and become a park ranger. And my, I was a financial analyst. My education was in, I had bachelor's degrees in finance and marketing, which doesn't sound at all like a park ranger, does it? Which, yeah. Like, how do you take that, out a bear with that? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had to go back to school for a year in the evenings just to get enough natural sciences credits. And, and once I was far enough along, I was able to apply for the job and, but the whole process uh, did take a year from the time I decided to do that until I got a job offer. It was 12 months exactly. Oh, wow. So you were working full time and going to school to pull that off. Yes. That was pre children though. So it was easier back then. Oh, okay. Now were you married at the time or? Yes, I was married and, and me getting a job as a park ranger was we lived on one side of Washington state. And I got a job almost in Idaho in Spokane, <laughs> Washington. So my wife and I spent one year apart because I was over there. I would drive home on the weekends, but other than that, we spent a year apart. So it, the, the whole thing was outside of my comfort zone. Wow. And as I mentioned, it, it would have been so easy to just stay right where I was. Oh, yeah. Keep doing what we were doing. And my wife was a, School teacher the year before we had just built a brand new house was it was all the things that you're supposed to do now uh interesting thing though uh, you, you said being a park ranger was a boyhood dream of yours in fact, you left a lucrative career to pursue becoming a a park ranger now if that's true, why are you no longer a park ranger? Well, being a park ranger was as wonderful. As it sounds, it's outside every day. You're in uniform. Children love park rangers. People just love seeing park rangers. And generally, you're pretty happy to go to work every day. But in the eight years I was a ranger, life had changed so much. I had two young kids. I worked a lot of nights, a lot of weekends. I didn't get to see them very much. Mm. My my priorities had shifted quite a bit, and at the same time, the state that I worked for was going through awful budget problems, and the park I was on got put on the closure list a couple of times and just didn't know where if I'd get bumped or where we would end up, and we loved the area that we lived in, and an opportunity came up in the private sector, and we decided to go for it, which was a, a tough decision because... That was a boyhood dream. I had one of the coolest jobs you could imagine. But it it had also lost. It wasn't quite as fun. It wasn't as glamorous on the inside anymore as you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. And it just was, it was time to go. But I realized, though, that parks, if parks was my is my calling, 
I don't have to be a park ranger to be involved. And the last four years have, well, the last two years have really shown that. I've been gone from parks for four years. But in the last two years, since I've had the park leader show, I have, at times I feel like I have more influence on parks than when I was an actual ranger because my show reaches people all over the country. I get invited to speak to all sorts of conferences. I, I was just spoke at the Ranger Rendezvous in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, wow. Yeah, in just a couple of weeks, I'm down in California to speak at a parks conference. I'm speaking at the World Ranger Congress in Colorado later this year. That never would have happened when I was a park ranger. So it's really interesting. It felt like walking away from my calling or walking away from a dream. But really, all that it did is allow me to still be involved in a different way yeah. with parks. And you you also, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You you have the added benefit of being able to spend time with your children a lot more, with your family a lot more, is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's right. The The time I get with my kids and my wife is is much better now than when I was a park ranger. Park ranger is, it really is a lifestyle that, that you're, you have committed your entire family to, mm-hmm. to be a park ranger because you just have to live differently. And most of the time it's wonderful. We lived in the park. So you're living in some of the best places on earth and you can't beat that, but you also are a park ranger all day, every day. And that's not true when you're a financial analyst or a project manager or other jobs you could have. So there just came a time where it, it was it was time to move on and you, as a park ranger I could influence parks a little bit at the one park I was at but now with the park leader show and the work that I've done there I get to influence parks all over the country Stay with us we'll be right back And now let's talk about how you can use Cap Show to repurpose and market your content If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. I think it's interesting that you, in a way, you're still living your boyhood dream, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I, I would think so. I don't put a uniform on, and I don't have a badge, and I don't have a gun, but I still get to live the dream. Yeah, it's probably safer that way too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was just thinking about that. Like you had this, this crossroad in a sense where, you know, it was, it was putting a strain on you, your family, uh, the time that you got to spend with your family. It, it, it was losing a lot of its luster in a sense. And, and rather than just saying, this is it, this is the only avenue I have, you actually it found a, a different way to still be involved, to still be a part of that boyhood dream but take it to another level. And, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm really amazed that you, you shared it in that way. Yeah. And that, that has been the fascinating thing about it is I get emails from people that listen to the show that say that they listened to episodes to prepare to interview, to become a park ranger or listening to the show, helped them get a promotion. And 
yes, I still get to be involved in my boyhood dream, but now I'm helping other people live out their dream of being a park ranger, which I, I don't know if I had completely thought that through that that would happen, but that is just delightful to get those emails. That's what, that's what keeps the park leader show going two years later. And that's what keeps me going to park conferences because I can speak at other conferences that will lead to more business for me. And park leader speaking at park conferences does not always lead to more business for me, Mm -hmm. but those are my people. So I keep doing it. What would you say is the most impactful email you received because of the park leader show? I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, but no, that's all right. Um, I think just just knowing that people listen, that alone, when people reach out and say, I love the show, those are all good. Those make me feel good. But it's the ones where people say that they listen to the show, that this particular episode really had meaning to them or the story somebody shared. But to answer it more directly, one email that really made my day is a, a assistant park manager emailed me and said, hey, we interviewed somebody today. And one of the questions we asked was, how did you prepare for this interview? And their their answer was, I listened to the Park Leader Show. Oh, wow. And I thought, now, w- what I liked about that is they felt so good about the Park Leader Show that that's what they brought up in their interview mm-hmm. and how they prepared. And that just shows where this upcoming park ranger viewed the content of the park leader show that they, they were liked it so much that that's what they tell them. And then the, the man, the assistant manager that heard that thought highly enough that she emailed me to tell me that. So I just loved that email. Was she also the, the person doing the interview? Was she also a listener of your show or just happened to look you up because of the interview? Oh no, she she's yeah, she listens to the show. So oh, that's okay. how she knew to contact me. Yeah. <laughs> well played, whoever the other guy was, right? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Oh man, I've I love hearing stuff like that. I mean, I've had moments where, you know, I, I was just down and out about a, another show I'm on, the Family Time Q and A and thinking nobody listens to this show. And then a lady we know who's a widower approached us and said, Hey, I loved listening to the Christmas special you just did. Uh, it, it really warmed my heart. It made me appreciate my husband and, and keep doing it. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I turned to my wife. I said, Olivia, you know, we were about to throw in the towel on this thinking we're the only ones listening to, okay, then I'm the only one listening to the show, <laughs> but we have proof somebody else is listening to it and look how it's touched her. And my wife read the email and I see in the, the switch turn for her because to her, this was just a hobby. It, it, it's just something Jerry does to indulge himself. And, and then to see that email come in and she, she looked at me and she just said, okay, so when do you need to renew that subscription to stay on your, your podcast host site? And I told her, she goes, okay, cool. Let's keep doing this. And that, that really surprised me. Just seeing the shift from, uh, it's just a hobby of Jerry's to, you know, we need to keep doing this. And uh, I'm sure that was that kind of, uh, proof for you in a sense. Yes. That, that is what it is. Sometimes you need that when you're the one putting the content out. If you don't, you don't do it for the feedback, but it sure does help, doesn't it? (laughs) When you hear from somebody and with creating Disney magic, we get so much feedback. People love Lee Cockrell and they should. And we hear so much feedback, just people saying, I love the show. Great job. This is the impact it's had on just today. 
I responded to an email where somebody used the lessons they learned in the show to start changing how they acted at work, which led to uh, a big promotion. And, oh, man, I love hearing that sort of stuff. It makes it so much easier to podcast and create content when you know it really is having an impact on people. Oh, yeah. A little side note. Brandon's not here to defend himself, so I'll go ahead and say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brandon tries. I don't know if he does it consciously, but the more he listens to Creating Disney Magic, the more he talks like Lee Cockrell. And he goes on this (laughs) campaign to get me to become like a Jody Mayberry. He's like, Jerry, you got to do this. You got to help people put together their podcasts. And I'm like, I I got a full time job and a family. I doing two podcasts (laughs) is enough right now. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even pay me, Brandon. <laughs> well, one of the my favorite stories to come from creating Disney Magic, just because it's so unique, is Lee told a story one time on some Disney executives that were in New York, so somewhere in northern New York, and they, I guess they call it upstate there, don't they? I think so. So they were going out to get something to eat, and the restaurant was closed. They didn't open for another twenty minutes. They walked up to the door, started to leave, and the restaurant owner opened the door and said, no, no, come on in. I'll give you coffee. I know we don't open yet, but come on in. And they were saying, no, we can just go across the street and get coffee. Don't." And he insisted, come on in. So they did come in and sat down, and he served them coffee. He talked with them, and they... They said, why do you do this? You're, it says you don't open until noon. Why did you let us in early? And the restaurant owner said, have you ever heard of the podcast Creating Disney Magic? And he said, Lee Cockrell said I should do this, and so I'm trying it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that <laughs> that was a, a pretty unique one. That because the, the guy had no idea that it was Disney executives that were at his restaurant. I'm just trying to imagine, you know, the look on their faces when he said that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, did they give Lee a hard time afterwards? Like, you won't believe what just happened. Or, or they're like, let's not tell Lee. But I guess eventually <laughs> they did tell him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting how that works. And it's been tremendous working with Lee. I, I joke with him that, you could put me on stage and I could speak for 60 minutes on mm-hmm. Lee's content like it's my own. We, I've been so immersed in it for a year now that I'm pretty sure I could do that. I just get up and, <laughs> and speak and be, because his, his content and his enthusiasm for it is contagious. Yeah. And in fact, I think you said in an episode of Star of the Doubts that that's one of your goals for 2016 is to write a book about the impact Lee Cockrell has had on you in the last year. Yeah, I have flirted with that idea. It was something along the, uh, just to say working with Lee has had more of, I've learned more working with Lee Cockrell than I did getting an MBA, Mm -hmm. which is true. So I wanted to compare the sort of things that you get from working with someone like Lee versus getting an MBA. And so I started down that route. And what it led me to is, as I wrote, it's been more a book about mentorship than what I've learned from Lee, which wasn't what I set out to write, but sometimes other things show up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it was inspired by your time with, with Lee Cockerell and that you, you wouldn't have gotten that far without it. Oh, no, yeah. not at all. And it's I, I get the delight of having the conversations with Lee that aren't creating Disney Magic episodes and you hear how good the episodes are, and I feel like the conversations we have in between recordings are even better. And we'll, we talk business and we talk family and 
just the little things that, that I've learned from him, which add up to be big things, have had such an impact. You don't even record those? I <laughs> know <laughs> I don't record those. Those maybe maybe someday we can offer some behind the scenes kind. There is I've never we, we've never said this, but there is actually a lost episode of Creating Disney Magic. We recorded one episode live at Podcast Movement in Fort Worth, Texas last year and then never released it. Oh, you've got to bring that forward. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure something <laughs> to do with it. It it just was so different than anything else we had done because we got in the recording booth right before it was time for us to go on stage and mm -hmm. give a presentation. And so that's what we were talking about was our presentation and all that. And I know at the time it just didn't feel like it fit with what we were doing. So oh, okay. I, I still have it. I just call it the lost episode because it's the only episode we've ever recorded that we didn't release. Oh, wow. I was even just thinking about like our pre-show conversation and thinking to myself, I need to be recording this like that. That's another episode right there. And uh, Brandon and I, we have the same kind of things where we like the best stuff comes out before we actually hit record. I'm tempted to just hit record when he and I just start talking and then release that. <laughs> Brandon, yeah, quite like, often that happens. Some of the best conversations are before with me. I've seen the best conversations come after mm. because you're done recording and then you're talking about usually something that you talked about while you were recording but the conversation ends up better yeah it's like the pressure's off now right <laughs> yeah oh man i'm sitting here thinking okay jerry start pretending to stop recording <laughs> what comes next <laughs> uh now before we sign off though uh what would be so we've been talking about a time that you hit a rut we talked about when you you chased your boyhood dream to become a park ranger and you were starting to hit a rut there and you, you, you kind of bounced out of it and found a new way to support that that dream. What would be the one best piece of advice you'd like to give our listeners about moving beyond their ruts into the kind of things we've been discussing? Discussing. There we go. Get the right word out. <laughs> well, it might have been disgusting. It depends on your <laughs> opinion of what I said. It's been a long day. My words are going away fast. <laughs> <laughs> I would say just Take action. Action is probably underrated. People plan a lot. And I know not planning enough can get you into trouble. But I would I would rather have you just take some action first and, and just see how it goes. That's that's even when I I had a good job as a financial analyst, I took action towards something else. And as I was a park ranger, I took action towards doing something else. And I I think that is probably underrated in in how valuable it can be to just take action just mike I, if you know mike kim he always talks about pivot and you can keep one foot planted and still pivot and that's what i would recommend just just find something that you're you want to do even if it's just a hobby if you're not gonna leave your job or do anything drastic like i've done a few times just if your calling is gardening say you know we talked how mine was parks if but you're you're not going to be a botanist well just plant a garden in your backyard and then you're still involved with flowers every oh, day oh yeah and how so many... there it is jerry just take action awesome that's that's perfect it's simple and it, it kind of reminds me of uh william wallace from braveheart what happens if we do nothing i don't know nothing <laughs> so that's a better way to say it just take action love it yes uh yes. and then uh, let's see, you've got so much stuff going on. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, 
book you were speaking or anything like that, uh, how would you like them to get in touch with you? What's the best? Uh, what's the one? Or wh- what would you like to plug? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, the best place to find out what I'm up to is my home on the web, which is jodymayberry.com. And there you can contact me directly. You can find the podcast that I'm working on. There's a speaking page. And so that just start there. And then you can find me on the Twitter and anywhere else. But JodyMayberry.com, that's the place to be. Awesome. I want to thank you, Jody, for joining us on the show. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Rut. Uh, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. The, the best way you can support our show, though, is to share us with a family member, a friend who you think this would impact greatly and ask them to do the same. Uh, you can also check out the show notes for this episode at beyondtherut.com slash 027. There we go. It will now be episode 27 just because I couldn't remember where we are. Uh, if there's anything you wish we'd covered that you know you wanted to hear more about from Jody or myself, uh, primarily from Jody though, uh, give us a call at 361-596-3788. Catch you on the next episode. Bye. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.